Welcome to Outside Inside Radio, which is brought to you by Prison Arts Collective. Prison Arts Collective is founded on the belief that art is a human right and is dedicated to bringing the transformative power of the arts to people experiencing incarceration. Our collaborative teaching teams include faculty, students, and staff, and our classes include making art, art history, reflection, and the cultivation of a safe space. We're based in the School of Art and Design at San Diego State University and have additional chapters at three CSU campuses. Prison Arts Collective is a project of California Transformative Arts, an initiative of the California Arts Council and the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Outside Inside Productions are a way to communicate with our participants and with the wider public through video and other media as an extension of our distance learning project created in response to COVID-19. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Outside Inside Radio. We're so happy to have you here. My name is Ella Turen and I am one of your co-hosts. I'm Kathy Foley-Meyer, your other co-host. And we are here today with Lori Brooks, who is an amazing and talented artist in her own right, and also the executive director of the William James Association. Hey, Lori, how are you? And welcome to the show. Hi, it's great to be here with you. Thank you. So I I wonder if you can start off, uh, you are actually an artist and you're a ceramic artist, if I understand correctly, which I love, I also love ceramics. Um, Ceramics isn't one of those art forms that you just kind of like pick up intentionally. So I wonder if you could tell us how you became a ceramic artist. Oh, gosh. You know, I started in high school. I mean, I just love the feel of clay and um, I just have been doing it for uh, forever. It's kind of a hobby I'm really looking forward to. I'm working on going half time uh, so that I can actually do more of my art. I have a bunch of big sculptures in my head that I really want to put into clay and put into the kiln and see how they turn out. (laughs) Get them out of my head. Do you go to a studio near you? I do. Because you're in the Bay Area, right? I'm in Santa Cruz. Okay. And I do, um, I have done a work trade at at a pottery studio, um, which has been really good because you know, this work is really demanding. And it um, so I have to be at the studio one day a week to cover my shift. Puts me in the studio five hours a week, if nothing else. And, and um, it just keeps my hand in clay. That's excellent. I mean, it keeps you disciplined too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. You know, it's funny because, you know, one of the founding uh, principles of our prison arts project here at the William James Association was a book written by uh, M.C. Richards called Centering. And it's the, the subtitle is in, in Pottery, Poetry, and Person. And it really had an influence on Eloise Smith, who started the Prison Arts Project, because of that. Um, the ma- she, she described it as the magic of the arts, you know, in, in the environment of a prison, um, especially around the discipline. Like doing pottery, you know, centering is, is the process of kind of working with the clay on a spinning wheel. And so um, it's like, it, it's just a great metaphor, right? Like the centrifugal force of, of life is pulling you out and just kind of like 
creating this sort of chaos. And your job is to focus that clay in your hands and focus your attention and bring that into a form that, that you're, you know, trying to create. So anyway, I just had to throw that in um, talking about pottery because I, I feel like it's really um, central to what we do and it works in poetry and it works in life. You know, we all are shaping ourselves as we go and the, and the forces of the, the world around us. You know, it's been an interesting year. Um, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a really... Uh, really good metaphor. I was wondering what drew you to become involved with uh, William James? You know, I went to, uh, I went to UC Santa Cruz in college. Um, and I did a field study and I lived in Tijuana for six months. And um, that was the, that major was community studies. And, um, and I, I got so much out of that experience, just really, um, immersing myself in uh, that culture, in, um, in the culture of, you know, these kids that would come um, from farther distances around Tijuana and come in to, um, to try and scrape a life together because what they had at home wasn't much. So anyway, just, I really got a lot of that. And I also studied economics. I just knew I wanted to work in a nonprofit and do some, some good stuff. Um, and so I just answered an ad in the paper. I mean, remember when we used to get jobs out of the newspaper? There was that old, um, advertisement. I found my job in the New York times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was just, you know, prison arts. I was like, Oh, that sounds really interesting. And it was just an office manager job. And, um, you know, you stick around long enough. They, they make you the director. So. <laughs> You earn your you earn your stripes. <laughs> exactly. That was that was in 1989. So I've been around for 32 years. And yeah, you've seen a bunch of things over that time. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so wonderful because you know, I mean, really, those uh, decades of the of the 90s and and early aughts, just the 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 growth of prison, the prison industrial complex, and what. I think when I started, there were like 14 prisons in the state. And now there are 35. And it was kind of weird because um, like compared to other arts organizations, we were doing fine. We, were, we, weren't, we weren't struggling. We were, we were on the growth trend because we you know, were part of, of that, that growth. I mean, it had been wrapped into um, the, the uh, I don't want to say, the CDCR sort of, the infrastructure, yeah. Yeah, infrastructure. As, so as they were building uh, prisons, they would put in an arts and corrections room. And they would put it in some weird, out-of-the-way place that wasn't convenient. Sometimes they had to go through work change, which is not fun. You know, the guys have to, the, the people have to strip and stuff. Anyway, but, um, yeah, so, so, you know, we had a lot of... Um, a lot of great opportunity to, to grow with the system, but it was, you know, it was a real twisted sort of, you know, opportunity. It's um, so it's nice now to see, you know, I think they released like 80,000 people over the last year or so. And um, I think for, 
for years, they every governor that was elected in California thought they were going to become president like Reagan. So the board, the parole board would say, hey, you're good to go. You've done your time. And still governors would not sign off on their release for 10, 12, 15 years. So it's been really... Um, it's been really wonderful to see a lot of a lot of the wonderful people that were part of the program through over the years uh, out now and be in touch with them and it's been you know it's been a good shift in the dynamics of the of the prison. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the arts and corrections budget because you've been so involved in it because you've been working in this space for so long, you've seen the ebb and flow from there being money to, you know, a few years ago, there not being any money and people really, you know, coming up and saying that this is something that's important and fighting to get that money back. Um, and most people may not know about that um, and the trajectory and that California is very unique in the sense that there is a line item in the budget for arts and corrections. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure, sure. I, I I feel remiss if I don't. Maybe I already did call in uh, Eloise Pickard Smith, who was the the force of nature that started the Prison Arts Project of the William James Association, and she she was the first director of the California Arts Council when it was created under this Governor Jerry Brown in the Wayback Machine. Um, and she wasn't there long. She said she didn't have a she didn't have a taste for bureaucracy. She, uh, but she, she went to a prison and she was like judging an art competition at, at California Medical Facility, which is kind of a uh, hospital prison, and uh, and met this guy Vern McKee, and uh, he had put together like a, a craft guild inside, and they were sharing materials and teaching each other some craft and stuff. But he said, if, you know, we could really take this to another level if we had some professional materials and some professional instruction. So that was kind of the, the genesis of the Prison Arts Project. So there was like a, a pilot project that started at CMF, California Medical Facility, and, and then um, I think it went to San Quentin and a couple of other prisons for the, initially. And then um, Senator Mello, who's our local senator here in Santa Cruz, he, he really took it on as a project. He was a piano player himself. And he, um, we had done a, a little study with um, Dr. Larry Brewster that was a cost-benefit analysis. And uh, it still really stands up. I mean, it's, it, it's simple, right? You, you put your, your resources into something that's positive, you're going to get positive results. Anyway, that's, that's kind of how it got um, institutionalized in the CDCR um, budget. Um, there was an actual staff person at every prison called the arts facilitator. Uh, and then they had this space, the arts and corrections studio. So fast forward 2003, they practically eliminated the California Arts Council, frankly. They took out all of our funding for arts and corrections. We uh, moved out of our office. And we we just limped along for a while. I, I worked for another nonprofit and just kind of kept William James going. But um, we had uh, an arts facilitator at San Quentin Prison 
Steve Emmerich, who just was a really terrific partner and just, you know, would not let the art studio um, get taken over by anybody else, you know, any other programs, or it was kind of close to where the, where the officers had their little station. So they kind of wanted it for their break room. Anyway, he hung on to it, and there were a few um, artists that kept, they wouldn't stop coming. <laughs> they just kept coming in. Anyway, so we started to get some other funding and um, some wonderful foundations and some donors, and we're able to pay our artists to come in. And then they, at some point, like in 2010, they eliminated the artist facilitator position. So, uh, our, our friend Steve went to work in the canteen, which is like the like where they sell you know chips and top ramen and all that stuff. Oh, actually, I got to mention something in my little history here that Steve got the got a, an award from the Dalai Lama um, for his work in in arts and corrections, and a year later they gave him his pink slip. Oh my gosh! For that, I mean, he like I said, he got to continue at the prison. But anyway, so that. He eventually became the, the community resource manager who's the gatekeeper for all of us uh, volunteer programs. They call it volunteer, you know, people get paid. Around 2011, 12, I got a call from Alma Robinson of the California Lawyers for the Arts. She said, you know, I just was at this um, uh, cocktail party at Nancy's Pelosi's and I was talking to Kamala Harris about the the, the correctional system and and uh, you know what what's going on there. And she said, you know, it just seems like I know there's some arts going on. I think we could do something to support that. And and I was like, I was like, oh, I mean, like you know, it was just amazing to suddenly have because. She just she brought to the the table like a, a fearlessness, frankly. She just could see this pathway to get us getting arts and corrections back in the in the state budget, and um, you know we went and met with legislators. We met with CDCR staff and the California Arts Council. This is this is where we brought in the California Arts Council. Now they were involved in arts and corrections in the past, but it was more like artist in residence programs. You know, Alma just brought in this you know this like. Uh, connection to the political scene and some fearlessness about doing uh, that kind of advocacy work. And we worked with the California Arts Council to be like a partner in it. The The funding flows from CDCR to the California Arts Council and then on to us. So there's kind of this not really peer state agencies because one is ginormous and the other one is like little tiny little California Arts Council budget. Yeah, that's, it, you know, it kind of grew from there. And it's been a wild ride ever since. It has. <laughs> it's such a powerful story because it was a collective effort on the part of folks who are organizers and artists themselves. And that it was taken seriously by the legislature is also a big thing. And that CDCR was on board with it in the end as well. Yeah, yeah. No, and, you know, and it's just... Like we we made friends along the way. I mean, the the current um, secretary, which is the the top uh, person at the CDCR, is Kathy Allison, and she was a community resource manager at I think it was at one of the uh, one of the women's prisons, and loved the program that we had, and loved the arts facilitator, and just couldn't say enough good things. So she was in those meetings. 
and here she is. She's now the head of, of CDCR. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the work that William James does. What's it been like for you all? And what are the, you know, can you talk about some of the programs that you all are engaged with? Yeah, sure. Well, I'll tell you, our model is is pretty simple. It's it's we look for the best artists we can find. And it's not always easy in the, you know, remote places where they put prisons. But we do our best and we really try to have people of color or, you know, really get um, a sense of, of um, that they're able to present a real equitable program, you know, real culturally conscious uh, programs and, and really uh, be able to, you know, we, we love to have bilingual teachers and stuff like that. It's just great. Um, so that's kind of our model. And then, and then we just really like to have a continuous program it's it's getting harder and harder um to do that well i mean right now i don't even know how to talk about now but we yeah but we find that that people who are in prison really like to have a weekly program something that they can look forward to week after week you know it gives them something to occupy their thoughts and you know if they can bring the work you know back to their cell or out to the yard um, you know, all the better. But anyway, so it's, that's kind of our model is just to try to have, you know, continuous ongoing programs available in the visual, literary, and performing arts. Try to have a diversity of of mediums that that are available to people. Uh, I was going to ask about the um, social justice movements that were happening or that are happening, but that um, we had happen over the summer. Did you see that reflected in the art? that was being produced? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing that we decided to do just around the pandemic situation was we started a a postcard art project. So we have this whole collection of stuff and there's some really interesting pieces. There was a case at San Quentin, you know, that happened with the, the pandemic and it went to court and the judge determined that there was deliberate indifference to the population you know that was just kind of a merging of of this sort of like real blatant obvious way that the prison system has a certain disregard for the people that are Mm -hmm. in their care i'm not really answering your social justice question because i just feel like it's always been in the art you know i mean there's there just has always been kind of this this parallel between slavery and imprisonment and there's 13th amendment um thing where slavery is still a part of our constitution that that it's still permissible to force people to work because they're incarcerated and they've committed a crime and there's just a hunger for knowing more about these people that we lock away and so i mean you know of course Ear Hustle really, you know, launched like the podcast world. We have our own podcast at, at Pelican Bay called um, Pelican Bay Unlocked. And it's a real wonderful view in to what's going on in the lives and, and minds of people who we lock away. I mean, the, the book that uh, Nicole Fleetwood put together, Marking Time, really elevating the discourse around this field, the captivity of the human spirit 
that's the tragedy of prison is just really there's so much potential there's so much potential you know i i just think that the the the, the destructive and the creative kind of from come from the same place and you can channel your energy into something that's that's meaningful and that creates and i love that that's kind of how i feel like the arts is just a really I think it turns them on to to themselves like oh hey i uh i can have a different identity and and then you know they go on to get involved in other programs and and education and and just really you know kind of taking themselves more seriously and seeing that the potential that they have in themselves and and i just love that that, that the arts kind of has that that beauty that comes from a really crappy place <laughs> it's it's it i think it changes you know the rest of us too i you know it, it helps us all to have a bigger view into into the the expansiveness of the human spirit the other thing that i'm really celebrating right now with our work is that we have been able to bring in because of the pandemic and we're doing alternative programs which is basically you know on paper and through a keyhole um We've, we're able to, to have some of these returned residents work for us as teaching artists. I mean, they are developing the most beautiful lesson plans and having, you know, just this really great exchange with the, with the, the people inside and, um, and encouraging them. I think there's something about that, that sort of modeling that that's just really encouraging. So that's, that's been really wonderful, and and now as we're trying to go back in, it's it's a little challenging because some um, some people in the prisons are not supportive of our of our wonderful um, model of having you know the the past participants teaching the current ones and stuff. So, well, it's great that is because it's so much harder to have folks participate in that way. But I think that's such a benefit to be able, I know a lot of folks who are returning want to give back in that way and want to be engaged with folks who they've known and spent a lot of time with. And that's something that's really important to at least many of the people that I know who have come out. It's almost like um, going back to what you were saying earlier about the power, like what art does in these spaces. I feel like also art is a container for that passion that you were talking, that energy, like whatever kind of energy it is, you know, and however it's trying to come out, it's like sometimes we don't have a vehicle to get that out. And art is the way to do it, whether it's movement um, or visual art. I mean, it's a, it's a channel in, in some ways. And I think, I think it does, um, offer the opportunity for to be like incredibly self-reflective but then for us who are like experiencing the art like that just it kind of like mirrors that that as well for us like it forces us to be self-reflective as well really good art is is transgressive there's something that's that it's pushing at the boundaries there's something that is you know really very rebellious about it <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah. Well, um, Lori, we we always like to ask artists to, since there are folks inside who will be listening to this, we always 
like to ask artists, you know, what kind of insight um, they might have for, for folks inside. And I wonder for you, if you could talk about as you were transitioning <laughs> in this pandemic time um, and trying to figure out like how to make sure that folks inside were getting, you know, the, the work and programs that you're doing, what were you thinking about? And, you know, what do you want to make sure that folks inside know about the work that you all are doing and have been doing during the pandemic? Um, well, I tell you, I've, I've gotten a lot of inspiration from Adrienne Marie Brown in the last couple of years. I just, I'm just madly in love with her and her, her work. And I just, you know, so I've, I've, I've gotten a lot of strength from remembering that, um, that, that life is tenacious and uh, adaptable and opportunistic and interconnected and an analogy that Adrian Marie Brown always uses around this mushroom under the ground they're moving like if there's some some water over here they're moving it over to the other side of the plant so that it grows and I just see that in in the prisons and how it's hard. I think it's hard to open up to others and stuff. You really, there's a lot of, you know, self-protection. You have to really take care of yourself. And so, you know, but once you kind of crack open a little bit and start to connect with some of the other people that are there, maybe outside of your particular social group inside the prison. Um, anyway, I just find that there's just this way that, that, you know, the resources, the, the minimal resources that they are allowed in prison, I mean, I just think there's just an amazing, um, an, an amazing level of care that is below the surface. Um, the creative spirit will not be denied. People are going to find a way to to be creative, and um, and and I just think that really is um, that's that's the joy of life. That's what we're all here for is just to really you know share. Um, the beauty of what's around us with each other and find it even, even in the hardest of places. Absolutely. Wow. So powerful. Thank you so much, Lori, for joining us and sharing your story and your, and also the, just this, the history of this work with us. So appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for caring and listening. And it's just, it's just wonderful. I, you know, I just, I feel like I am so blessed and so lucky to know the people that I have gotten to work with. Um, the, the caliber of the artists that want to go inside to teach are just amazing. And then, and then the people inside and, and, and how they, you know, just really uh, latch on to something that's, that's really rewarding and satisfying and, and connecting and, Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, thank you. Great talking to you. Thank you for joining us here at Outside Inside Radio and listening to this episode. We appreciate your support, and you can find out more about us at www.prisonartscollective.com. Until the next time.